Well, I do because the Vikings roster is built to win now. I mean, they're adding some pieces to develop, you know, some of these people, the things they drafted. But, you know, you go out and you sign Zedaria Smith. I mean, that's a short-term ad. Kirk Cousins is where he is in his career. Dalvin Cook is where he is in his career. Adam Thielen. So I do think the Vikings have some staying power, but I also think that Kevin O'Connor can come in and win right away just because of the structure of the roster. On the field, in the broadcast booth, Ron Johnson is Minnesota sports. One-of-a-kind opinions, big-name guests, the teams you care about every, every, every day. It's the Ron Johnson Show, part of Locked On Sports Minnesota, and it starts now. Welcome to the Ron Johnson Show, and I'm your host, Ron Johnson. On today's show, we're going to talk a little bit about the NBA. So stick around for that, what Anthony Edwards has to say about the current state of the NBA playoffs. And then when you look at Steve Weish, NFL Network guest, he's coming up as well. He's going to deep dive into the NFL schedule, but also the Vikings. What is their outlook? Can they make the playoffs? Are they the best team in the NFC North? We'll see what Steve Weish thinks about that. And then... We have to talk twins. And so as I bring Sam Ekstrom in, my producer, um, we've talked about the twins scheduling. We've talked about where they at. Now, the last 10 has not been favorable for the twins, Sam. They're five and five. I did say the Astros would be their hiccup. We talked about that, that tough stretch of games. I said it's going to be a hiccup, but if they can get through it, which they did, they beat the Guardians in a 2-1 series. Um And then it gets easier again. It gets a little bit easier for them. And so as we jump into this, though, it's not so much about the 20 and 15 twins um, still leading the AL Central. Guardians, 16 and 17. White Sox, 16 and 17. Royals, 12 and 20. Tigers, 12 and 23. And so the question is, at what point do you really need Byron Buxton? And so the question came up. I saw people upset on Twitter and they were saying, man, I wish he could come in and just get a big hit for him. You know, you know, movie star type stuff, TV series type stuff. Gabe's close guys and played all game. You know, you look at uh, what was that? Mr. 3000. And so he was trying to get 3000 uh, and, you know, he wasn't playing in certain games because he wanted to hit 3000, you know, in front of his home mm-hmm. crowd and, uh, you know, going, I think I forgot what happened, but basically he ended up only getting to 299 or something, or 299, 2,999 hits in the movie. That is, um, there was a big discrepancy about one of his actual hits, blah, blah. And, you know, he's trying to become Mr. 3000, but he accepts the 2999, like they took one away from him. Then he goes back as an old dude. And, but the whole point is they want Buxton to be that guy. Like, why can't Buxton be prepared to come in in big moments and get a big hit? You surely can't get hurt at one at bat now that's the normal person buxton he probably could i mean if he gets a big hit and he has to grind it out to get to second or grind it out to to, to beat the run to beat the throw at first maybe pull something maybe he gets re-injured i mean he hasn't played all day he's, he's not warm now granted baseball players don't ever really seem warm because they're sitting around so much they're doing nothing for so long sometimes uh there's games where the left fielder doesn't touch the ball for five innings um, so I think that's kind of my thought, my thought on the load management with Buxton. I get it. I will never discredit a coach. The one thing I don't like about load management, load management in basketball is when stars are getting paid 
to you know sell tickets for a certain venue let's just say lebron james coming to the timberwolves a lot of people are buying tickets because of lebron james and not the timberwolves uh at least in the past now the timberwolves are good so maybe they'll get more ticket sales but People were buying to see that. People were buying to see Steph Curry. People were buying to see James Harden, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving. You know, people are – and then all of a sudden you get the Nets. They show up, Kyrie, KD, and James Harden are all load management nights because they're like, look, it's the Timberwolves. We don't really need to play these guys. <laughs> um, that I have a problem with. I have a problem when it's a healthy scratch just because you're like, we can get through this game without you guys. Just take the night off. Um, also, when they've been promoting it, like it's supposed to be an ESPN game. And then LeBron doesn't play. And now we got to watch a bunch of, you know, whoever's play on national TV, Lakers versus Celtics, but we're getting, you know, the back end deal of guys. And it's like, why, why sell that? Why, like tell, tell, tell ESPN earlier, flex that game out and let's get some, some competitive basketball on the TV with some stars. And that's the only issue. Baseball, I don't see it because no matter who's in, it, it doesn't matter. Like it's, it's kind of one of those things where it's not like people are buying tickets to see Byron Buxton when he travels. Um, I do have a problem with him not being ready to go in that big moment. I think, you know, and, and it's not on him. It's on his coach. He's not putting him in. He can't just sub himself in and say, hey, coach, let me get this hit to win this game. But I, I do think that that needs to be considered down the stretch. If you are going to rest him, maybe have that mental awareness and that wherewithal to say, hey, Byron, if this is a close game, we need you to be able to come in and pinch hit. You have a big bat. You're an explosive hitter. We are going to get you in at some point to bat for somebody to win this game for us. Now, that is a mindset going forward. I don't think they maybe even thought they'd be in that position. I don't think they thought that that would actually be something. Um, and maybe they did. And they're like, look, I still I don't want them to get hurt. Like, this is a long season. It's only 35 games in. We got a lot more to go. Uh, we we have a healthy uh, comfortable lead um, right now. I mean, now unless you just completely these next 11, you just wet the bed and you lose it. That's the only way you're going to give up that lead to the Guardians. So that's my thought. I, I, I don't disagree with it, but I do think there needs to be some some kind of formula figured out for big moments like that. But what are your thoughts? Yeah, I get that they want Byron Buxton available in in the pennant chase in September, October. But I also think it's a fallacy to say that the games now don't matter just as much. I mean, if you bank up wins now, those count the same. And Byron Buxton, unlike any player on this roster, gives you the best chance to win those games. So it comes back just to a philosophical question. And you, Ron, probably have a good you know, perspective on this because you're an athlete. What do athletes owe us in terms of playing through pain, playing through injury? Do they owe us anything? Do they owe us a little bit? Like cause, Because they're well-paid. The fans pay money, like you mentioned, to, to see them play. So how much does playing through pain account for what they're required to do? And, and I think that, you know, the Twins brass, their management says, we don't expect our guys to have to gut through like a, a bad knee. Like we want them to, to play at 100%. We want them to play at their best. And it's hard to disrespect that kind of mindset. Um, but there are a lot of players that want to. There are a lot of players that want to play, you know, hurt or try to gut it out. And I don't know the correct answer. I don't know what the players owe us or anybody, uh, you know, in terms of being on the field when they're not their best. Yeah, I would say it's money. So this is the thing. If you're a young guy, you haven't gotten that big contract yet, and you're hurt, um, not injured, you're hurt, um, 
and and I always get this one confused, but people will always say, are you hurt or you're injured? To me, I'm like, it's the same thing. Uh, but if you just have some some general soreness or some some minor pain, uh, but it could get worse and you want to come back 100% because you know you're working for that contract. I'm, I'm, I, I'm not against a young guy protecting himself because you see guys uh, like, let's say, Kevin Durant. Tear, you tear your Achilles and you don't have the money. Um, they can absolutely stonewall you when it comes to negotiating that next signing or that next contract. Teams are questioning, should we sign this guy? Uh, look at the NFL guys like Juice Landry. You know, he just signed with the Saints today. Uh, or this week or this weekend. But, you know, when you're hurt or you're injured and you're on the, you know, out in the open market, people question, like, is this like Odell Beckham? People question, like, is this guy going to be ready to go? Um, now, Odell, Odell Beckham, we've seen the house. We've seen the money. He's gotten contract after contract. You know, team after team wants him. So, so it's okay. But some guys don't have that star power. They don't have that ability to be able to just say, hey, if I'm hurt, I'm still going to get the money. There's only a few guys that can do that and, and garner that 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 attention from an organization to say, yeah, I don't care. But there's other guys you got to protect yourself. You owe us nothing. You owe the fans nothing if you're hurt because um, nobody knows what you're playing through. They just can assume and sit back with their beer, their hot dog and say, man, this guy's soft. Like I remember when guys would play with bullet wounds and stab wounds <laughs> and, you know, a guy just got out of a car accident. He's going out there playing. Yeah, no, that's that's not the right way to do it because we've seen guys now have mental issues for for that reason, playing through certain injuries, not mentally being able to come back from it. Uh, a knee is nothing to play with. One bad step and it's even worse and you're going to tear something else up. Um, and, and that's the key. Let the staff, let the trainer, st training staff and the x-rays tell them exactly what's wrong and then let him mentally get back. Because when you're mentally 100%, you can tell a player's playing it as all. When he's not, you're kind of hobbling. You're second-guessing yourself. You're not going after certain balls. Uh, you're not willing to dive for a, for an outfield pop fly that, you know, is in the hole. There's a lot of things that come with playing through pain that you lose in a player. And then people are questioning, oh, is this guy good enough? Why is he not playing as hard? Why, like, oh, this is a, he's a shell of himself. Uh, players owe us nothing, man. I, I, I say, you know what? If you're hurt, rest up, come back 100% because same thing. If they want to cut you, they'll cut you whenever they want. And then you have no money to show for it. So I'm all for it. But coming up next, we got Sam Weish, NFL Network analyst. He's going to break down the Viking schedule. He's going to talk about what he thinks they can finish out. Can Kirk Cousins get the job done? And is Kevin O'Connell the next big young thing that everybody's talking about in the NFL? That's up next on the Ron Johnson Show. But first, if you enjoy the Ron Johnson Show, you'll enjoy our other daily show on Locked On Sports Minnesota. It's Superior Sports Talk with Carol Evans Sports Director Reggie Wilson and his co-host Luke Emmon. Whether it's the Twins, Vikings, Wolves, or Wild, Reggie and Luke have covered it all with the breaking news and the big opinions. Catch the show five days a week by subscribing on Locked On Sports Minnesota, uh, Minnesota's YouTube channel, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the Ron Johnson Show. As promised, NFL Network guru Steve Weish is going to join us to talk about the Minnesota Vikings, NFC North, NFL scheduling, and what's going on with the schedule. And before we jump into this, I mean, I guess I got to throw it out there. Let's get this thing going early. Steve Weish and I talked about the Vikings schedule. And in the first six games, in my opinion, because I've told you guys on the show what I thought. I thought, you know, and I did it for the Vikings on Vikings.com as well. 
I thought the Vikings can go, you know, five and one, four and two in that first six. Steve Weish might have a different opinion. Steve, when you look at the Vikings start of the season, they go to London and then they got the bye week. We know the Saints just added Jarvis Landry, so that does add another weapon to that team. Um, but what do you think about the Vikings schedule early on before the bye? Yeah, I, I think it's really challenging. I mean, look, you open at the Packers. and When is that ever easy? You know, we can continue to say that they're wide receivers. They need some help. They have one of the best defenses in the NFL last year. Yeah. I mean, they they get after. That defense is really good. It only got better this offseason with some of the additions that they made. That's going to be a challenge. That game at Philadelphia is going to be tough. I mean, first off, I mean, you see some of the changes. They added A.J. Brown, right? That's going to yep. test – those receivers now with Devontae Smith, that's going to test that Viking secondary that's going to take a minute to come together, right? They're changing scheme. They're changing coordinators. That's going to take a second. So that's going to be a challenge. The Lions, not going to be a tough out this year, but let's go ahead and, you know, games at home in Minnesota. At the Saints, the Saints are going to be a team that we're going to be talking about at the end of the season. I mean, where where really is a hole on that roster? Maybe quarterback. Quarterback, yeah. Let's come back healthy. <laughs> Maybe. I mean, that's a maybe. Jameis is playing pretty well before he got hurt last year. He got hurt before the halfway point of last season. All indications are that, that he's good to go. But, again, one of the best defenses in the NFL year in and year out. People do not give them credit. That has been the staple of this team year in and year out as a defense. That defense got better, adding Tyron Matthew to the leadership uh, that they have on that defense. The Bears, W. Not going to be a good team with Chicago games in Minnesota. <laughs> and the Miami, they get, first off, that early in the season, they have to travel all the way down to Miami. What happens to teams in, like, uh, September and October Miami? <sighs> Boy, it's humid down here. It's really hot. The Dolphins roster, by all accounts, is, is one of the more talented rosters in the NFL. Now, it's going to take a minute to bring all that talent together, um, especially with a new head coach and some of the things they're going through there. That is not an easy game. I, I don't see a layup except for maybe the Bears on the schedule. And that's a division game. I think it's weird how they got the first three division games staggered at home, and then they actually have to get on a plane and travel a little bit, even though they're only going out of the time zone twice. Um, those first, you know, those first three games, those are not going to be easy games. Yeah, I'm telling and, you, right Philadelphia is going to be better. The Saints are going to be better. Miami is going to be a tough out, and the Packers with that defense, um, those are going to be challenges. Yeah, for me, I think I thought I have them beating the Packers just because it's at home. I think the Vikings and Packers match up pretty well. Uh, Eagles was the one I did. I said they would lose to the Eagles. Uh, but I, for some reason, like Jameis Winston, for me, his interceptions, uh, some of his mental errors, now with a 3-4 defense he's going to have to face, is going to be some question marks there. But I, I do see what you're saying about Tyron Matthew, Jarvis. I mean, they are getting better and better and better. And, you know, of course, this is a staff that can take Jameis Winston and maybe get out of him what the Bucks couldn't. But looking at the Vikings schedule after that, so now you got the Cardinals, you got the Washington football team, well, the Commanders now, you got the Buffalo Bills, Cowboys, uh, Jets, New England, Colts. Of course, we have division guys and you have the Giants. Of those games, what's the most intriguing game from an NFL network standpoint when you guys are looking at what game you're going to circle for Vikings, whoever? Well, to me, I don't want to speak with the network, but to me, when I look at this, the week 15 game against the Colts, right? Yeah. Because I think the Vikings are going to be there. I think the Vikings are going to be in the playoff hunt when all is said and done. I think I think people aren't respecting them right now, maybe because of the coaching change, and there's always the whole Kirk Cousins, what is he, what he's not. I think the Vikings defense, you know, Cedarius Smith is healthy and, and some of the changes they made and Lewis Seen and some of these guys that they added, the younger players. By this point, they should be rocking and rolling, right? I think the Colts are going to be one of the best teams in the NFL, adding Matt Ryan, some of the pieces that they made, right? We're not talking about them enough. 
So by this time, both these teams are going to be really pushing for playoff spots. But why it's also intriguing for the Vikings is the next week, like they're going to get, they're going to have to get geared up for that game against the Colts, right? Mm-hmm. Next week they play the Giants. So you're like, okay, that might be the game they could take the foot off the gas. But then the Packers are there next week, right? That's that. So that so sandwich, you know that 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 Bears that that Giants game is sandwiched in between two potentially huge games for them. So that's why I think it's intriguing. It's going to really test their mental makeup because again, I think the Vikings are going to be there uh, for a playoff berth in the NFC. It's a little bit more open. I think they're really going to push the Packers this year in that division. Um, and I just think the Colts are just going to be an excellent team, two dome teams. Um, so I, I really I looked at the schedule like that's going to be a really good game at the timing of the season. It's a potential flex game. As you see, that TBD, that TBD kickoff <laughs> is right next to it as well. Oh, yeah. So I, I think that's going to end up being a real high-profile game. Yeah, and so the NFL, it's, it's kind of like you got the old regime – you know, the Belichick's, the Bruce, you know, the Bruce Aarons is done now. So he's moved on and, 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 but he's still in the building. Um, and then you have these young guys, you have the McVeigh's, you have the Shanahan's it's becoming their NFL. Now, Matt LaFleur, Zach Taylor. Do you think Kevin O'Connell is of that makeup? Cause I know there's some coaches that come in new young and they don't last long. It's three years and they're out the door. Cause they can't figure out how to get it going. Do you think Kevin O'Connell learning from, from McVeigh? he can become one of these Zach Taylor, Matt LaFleur type coaches where he'll find lightning in the bottle within two years. Well, I do because the Vikings roster is built to win now. I mean, they're adding some pieces to develop, you know, some of these people, the things they drafted, but, you know, you go out and you sign Zedaria Smith. I mean, that's a short-term ad. Kirk Cousins is where he is in his career. Dalvin Cook is where he is in his career. Adam Thielen. So I do think the Vikings have some staying power, but I also think that Kevin O'Connor can come in and win right away just because of the structure of the roster. You know, I live in LA. I was around the Rams a lot. So talking to people who were around Kevin, like, Oh yeah, no, he's a dude. First off, you know, he's a former player. So he, you know, he looks the part, tall guy walks in front of the room. He's immediately going to command respect. He brings in a defensive coordinator at Donatello. who has got a ton of cachet and gravitas throughout the league can maybe fill in some of the blanks that Kevin doesn't know about being a head coach just because he's been around so long. So, you know, Kevin O'Connell is taking a page out of Sean McVay's book. Remember when Sean first came to LA, he hired Wade Phillips. Yeah. Right. So somebody who again who could fill in the blank. So that was a nice little subtle move by Kevin. So yeah, I think they can come in and, and win right away. His relatability to players is huge. The one thing you hear about all of these kind of McVeigh Shanahan disciples is their relatability to players. They're not just great play designers or play, play schemers and play callers. They communicate with everybody on the roster to explain things, how to function individually, how to function among your position group, and then how to function in totality. And you speak to people like Andrew Whitworth and guys who've played, you know, and Fred Warner who plays, you know, for Shanahan. And they're like, that means everything. When you know where you fit in every layer of this game, it helps you understand why you're doing the things you do. And again, Kevin has has learned that. And everyone he talked to says, you know, he'll be able to convey that. Yeah, and so looking at Mike Zimmer's defense, it, this this team was always defense. Minnesota Vikings defense. That's all everybody talked about. You talked about how great they were, you know, top five defense. The last two years, due to injury, uh, Mike Zimmer's defense has struggled. Last year, particularly, when you look at almost 37% third down. Mike Zimmer normally was in the 25% range for third downs. They jumped almost 12 basis points up. They were almost 37% on third down, which was a huge reason why they could never get off the field, and that's what defense is about. 
what's a success story? You talk about Ed Donatel being added, you know, sneaky move, Wade Phillips type of move by uh, McVay. What do you think success means for the Vikings? The Vikings 2022 defense is successful because what? Well, I mean, you can't be 27th in scoring, right? Let's bring that closer to the midway point, 16, 17, 18, at the worst. I mean, score the NFL, you could you could take, you know, the, the Mike Zimmer always prided himself on being like top eight always in the five major defensive categories, you know, run, pass, scoring, third down, and takeaways, right? Today's defense is about scoring and it's about takeaways and third down, like you said. So bring those more to the middle of the pack. Because I think what they're going to be to do offensively is going to offset any potential weaknesses. And there's going to be some shootouts and there's going to be some grind out games. But they've got to be able to bring that scoring total down, the opposing scoring total down closer to 23, 22, you know, if they want to be in there. And they got to get the takeaways. I mean, that was something else that was really lacking. You got to get takeaways and give your offense additional possessions to have a chance in the NFL. Then you mentioned the third quarter flaws or third down flaws. Um, you know, they've just got to be regular. You look at the playoff teams, and again, you got to be better in that area. Donatel's a, a bend but don't break guy, um, but he's also a guy who's got defenses that get high takeaways. And, and that's that's really going to be huge when you look at some of the teams that play, they play in some of the balance that some of those teams have on offense. And the Vikings traded with the Packers and the Lions. And a lot of people always say, don't trade with your, your your direct enemy. But the Vikings figured out, you know what, if we can get something out of it, let's do it. But everybody seems to think they lost the trade to the Lions. Uh, Packers one, you know, maybe something just had to be done. What was your thoughts when you saw those trades being made by Kwesi? Uh Look, to, to fall back 20 slots, 20 plus slots, uh, was kind of like, whoa. You know, and, and the people you talk to, that's a big, that's a big drop just in terms of, you know, some of the talent you could be forsaking. But if some of the people they had on their board were going to be there in the second round, you're like, okay, well, I get economic value. I'm going to get some additional draft capital. Um, but otherwise, you I know, mean, I think, look, they came back in and they got seen. So, you know, I, 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 I'm like, you know, we could sit here and make all these judgments, but let's mm-hmm. wait and see. Yeah. Because if everyone says, oh, man, Lewis seen the 32. Wow, what a value pick. You know, yeah, they slid back 20, but, man, now they've got a five-year pro bowler, um, a guy who's a captain of their defense at some point. You know, the, the, that's that's a different story. So the immediate return, you know, you can say what you want to say. You just don't know. But a couple of years from now, it's going to really, really be able to judge this. But but here's the thing. I love the aggression. And look at all the young GMs. <clears throat> I mean, Brad Holmes with the Lions in his second mm-hmm. year trading with Quasi in his first year in, in moves like that. And you saw all of these trades going on. And you mentioned earlier about some of the old guard. Hey, you don't do this. You don't trade within your division. There's no rules anymore. It's right. about making your 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 model and your team better. And that's what Quasi clearly thought he was doing. And last one, get your popcorn ready. So that's that's what I always – I grew up with, with playing when Terrell Owens played. I, I mean, like I remember playing the Eagles, Ravens-Eagles. Terrell Owens is on the other side with Donovan Nabb. And, you know, even though I didn't, wasn't on defense, so it didn't matter to me, I loved watching him play. And so now I look at Justin Jefferson. Mm-hmm. You got Devonta Smith. So that game's going to happen. Eagles Vikings direct trade correlation as well. They missed on picking Justin Jefferson, so that's going to get hammered into the ground that week. And then you got the Bills. That's another direct trade. Stephon Diggs goes to the Bills because of that trade. Vikings actually get 
um, what's his name? Because that's that was their pick, Justin Jefferson. So two teams that kind of correlate to this Justin Jefferson uh, nexus, I guess I'll call it. Uh, that Bills game, though, Stefan Diggs versus Justin Jefferson, all the energy, the the attitude, the Josh Allen is better than Kirk Cousins conversation. What is that week going to look like? Oh, I mean, I love I love how you you put that together. I didn't even think about that, Ron. So well done. Um, no, it's going to be huge because the Bills. I mean, that's one of the two, three teams we're talking about is potentially being, you know, in the Super Bowl and, and yeah. winning the Super Bowl because they went out and got Dalvin's brother. Don't forget that. They have <laughs> yeah. James Cook, oh, yeah. you know, as as their rookie running back, who everyone says is going to be exceptional right there. You know, and they just made some very subtle moves this offseason. You know, they're one of the best run organizations in the NFL. So that's going to be huge. And that's one where Kevin O'Connell, these guys, they can't get caught up in the hype of things and let the players go out and play. You know, that's, you know, you have to hope everybody's healthy and let the players just go out and play and let the talent speak for itself. Don't try to, you know, out scheme or go for it on fourth down when you, you know, you're feeling, you know, feeling the mode right now. Let them play and make the plays because that's one where the talent, the talent runneth over uh, when these teams hit the field, especially at the skill spots. Well, yeah, well, this, this interview is going to go in overtime. That's not the last question. Now that I think about it, I've seen a lot of analysts out there trying to do the gritty. You know, we've seen a ton try it. Have you tried to do the gritty yet? Like, nope. can you do it? Have you tried it? Nope. Not going to happen. It won't <laughs> happen never... on film. I'll tell you this. And it, it, won't, it won't happen where it can be recorded. <laughs> so if you get a if you get a one-on-one with Justin Jefferson, you're not gonna you're not gonna sit down and try it with him. Nope. <laughs> you can take that one to the bank. Not gonna happen. I'll, I'll say, Justin, well done. Not gonna happen. I'm 55 years old, man. I might slip a disc. <laughs> so what's your go-to dance then like are you just the two-step king i mean what, what are you doing at weddings oh yeah no like you know remember uh you know the, the movie uh, what was it with, with will smith uh, oh yeah yeah uh hitched I'm yeah in here. Yep. yep i'm in Stay here i do not venture outside of my zone <laughs> well, i want to thank steve weiss for joining me on the ron johnson show please make sure you go back and watch the first and then coming up next we're gonna have the daily three that's three questions three minutes up next do you want instant post-game reaction from insiders that cover your favorite sports teams? Well, check out Locked On Sports Minnesota's podcast on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Following every Twins game, Vikings, Wild, or Wolves, our Locked On Sports team hosts are broadcasting live with the team insiders like Kevin Gork for the Wild, Brandon Warren for the Twins, and never miss a podcast by subscribing to the Locked On Sports Minnesota YouTube channel. Well, it's that time. It's the daily three. That's three questions, three minutes. Take it away, Sam. Lewis Seen was on the field on Friday for the Vikings rookie minicamp. Their number one draft pick, Lewis Seen, spoke to the media as well. He called himself a natural leader. I remember last year, Patrick Peterson used the same words about himself, and now they're both in the same defensive secondary let me ask you this question, Ron. Is Lewis seen the leader of the Vikings secondary within the next couple of years? In the next couple of years, yeah, yeah. But you got to get Harrison Smith out of there. You got to get Patrick Peterson to retire. Um, I personally met Lewis Seen uh, this past weekend. Uh, he was here to sign his contract officially for the Vikings. And just talking to the kid, you can you can get a sense of a kid. And him, Brian Asamoah, and um, Asezi Atamewu 
all three of those guys were in there and we were all just chatting it up, talking, and you can get a feel for a guy face to face, like doing an interview, like you came on the Ron Johnson show, please go back and check out that segment. Mm -hmm. uh, but you don't get a feel for a guy doing an interview. Well, I got a feel for Lewis seeing face to face. I think he is going to be a natural leader. His he's confident. He's not cocky. Um, he just wants to go play football. And I think that was the key. Just listening to him say how he wants to go play football. Um, that's the biggest thing I saw in Lewisine. And so, yeah, I think he can do it. I think uh, when you look at how this team's makeup is going to be the next couple years, Brian Osamoa will probably be a, a staple in the 3-4 defense um, as, as, as a change move guy. Um, you know, you're going to have, you know, Andrew Booth Jr. as a corner in this. Um, I think those two are going to grow together, hopefully, if Booth can stay healthy. Um, you know, you look at Cam Dantzler, who will be a, a veteran corner at that point in this group in three or four years, if he can resign and, and, and show that he deserves to be here. So, yeah, and, and then Justin Jefferson on the offensive side of the ball. So I think when you look at Justin Jefferson on the offense, Lewisine on the defense in a couple of years, um, I could easily see that being something, you know, mainly in the back end. Um, we don't know what that if you know, we don't know if Daniel Hunter will still be here. I mean, this is four years out, but yeah, I can see him being a leader and more with his with his actions like he's a show up to work lunch pail guy uh play hard know your assignments guy he's not gonna rah 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 you to death um and i think that's what he means he's he leads by example he's a quiet assassin you know agent six so i i do see him being that in the future quick follow-up ota start next week do you think scenes getting first team reps or do you think it's bynum uh, I think buying them to start is just you, you do. That's what you do. Um, like I said, Ed Reed in the first couple of days, he was with the twos. Um, you do that just for the simple fact of you have a guy that's learning. Now, this is the difference, though. Reed came to a team that already had the defense set, whereas this is a totally new defense. So who knows how long Bynum will be with the ones. But I think, you know, at least for a day or two, he's going to be with the ones just because you're going to have the rookies and the twos. Okay, another Vikings question. ESPN and you have to think, Justin Jefferson was with the twos, too, to start. So it happens. Absolutely right about that. The Zimmer coaching staff would always put the rookies with that second, maybe even third team to start things out. Uh, ESPN.com, I think you got to have a subscription to read the article to the, to the plus, but they did write that the Vikings' biggest roster hole is tight end. They got Irv Smith Jr., They've got uh, Nick Muse, who they drafted. They signed the blocking tight end, Johnny Munt, um, and Zach Davidson, who they drafted last year. So that's their tight end room, Ron. Is that accurate, do you think, that tight end is their weakest roster position? I'd say yes, but this is the thing. When you look at tight ends, other than Kittle, that's the only tight end the 49ers have. You know, other than Kelsey, that's the go-to. You know, Zach Ertz in Arizona. Um, you know, uh, it's not Matthews. I think it is Matthews, uh, Andrews, no, Mark Andrews with the Ravens. And yeah. so when you look at like teams, there's some teams that have a guy and then there's other teams that just get by with a guy. Irv Smith is not just a guy. He's good. But the problem is when you've been out of football, uh, people forget, people don't know. Um, with this offense, I think the tight end is going to be utilized as that fourth, that third and fourth receiver. Um, we don't know because we can only speculate with what the Rams did. CJ Ham is probably going to be here from a special team standpoint, a leader standpoint. Um, you know, I, I could see them get, you know, he can catch, you know, so getting him to be that second tight end and the one by one off Irv running from that look where you're playing, you're playing tight end, but you're the lead, you know, you're the lead blocker, you know, treat him like an, uh, uh, like, a uh, um, uh, what's his name for the 49ers. Uh, I always say it wrong. Is it Chizik or use, use, use check? check? Use check. 
Um, you could use them like that. You know, motion them in and out, put them off the tight end. You see use check and Kittle all the time. They're 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 by each other, they're in at the same time. So that's one of those things where I could see CJ Helm being used that way. Uh, the Rams did not have that, so that's why Kevin O'Connell probably wasn't wouldn't be used to that. But again, this this is a this is an ever evolving league. I think Kevin O'Connell is is going to be one of the new hot young coaches. You look at Matt Lafleur, you look at Zach Taylor, um, you look at all those young guys, Shanahan. They're every day Cliff Kingsbury. They're coming up with new innovative ways to make defenses think twice. And uh, so when you look at holes in this offense uh, or this team. Oh uh, yeah, I mean they drafted safeties and corners. They, they they added a linebacker and they already had linebackers. Their D line was pretty much set, but they added a guy in Harrison Phillips. Uh, the receivers, we know they're straight. Uh, quarterback, they got that. Offensive line, well they do have Darisaw. They have Brian O'Neill. They did draft a guard, so we'll see where he plays out. Uh, they are playing another guy uh, at center as well behind Bradbury. So you know, running back, of course they're set there. So I think, I mean honestly, when you're doing the numbers, yeah, tight tight end is just the easy target. You know, it's the biggest thing to look at and say well they didn't do anything to make me feel like the tight end got better you can't fix everything you know it's like a house you have to decide what's more important you know can i deal with having countertops that aren't exactly what i want or do i want a new bathroom you got to decide you know do i want to get a new driveway or do i want to paint the exterior of the house you know which one matters more um that's where the vikings were at with that they i think they have a perfectly fine livable house and they just couldn't address the, the 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 light switch. Like, hey, the light switches aren't what we want, but the rest of the house is fine. And I think that's where they are. The tight ends are going to be just fine. Irv Smith is going to be dominant. They just have to find a second guy, which is going to be a blocker. I don't think there's there's not enough balls to go around and have another passing pass catching tight end. And maybe they're saying Irv is not Kyle Rudolph. Maybe they don't put Irv in that echelon of tight ends right now, and he has to earn his way in there. Well, I think too. You, you look at last year. I mean, the Vikings had one tight end last year, too, and their passing game was still pretty productive. Like, it's not the reason they weren't in the Super Bowl because they didn't have a, a second tight end. They had Conklin, and then Chris Herndon did very little. Ben Ellison got hurt. Um, Zach Davidson didn't do anything. I mean, C.J. Ham was playing tight end half the time, and they they still managed to, to do all right with just sort of one threat. So instead of Conklin this year, you've got Irv Smith, and he might be even better than, than Conklin. I've got one question left for you, NBA-related. The conference finals are set. I know Anthony Edwards was weighing in on the action yesterday. The Suns get blitzed by mm -hmm. the Mavericks. They lost by 33. I think they were down by 45 mm -hmm. in the second half. And the Celtics run away from the defending champion Bucks. So a couple of blowouts. Conference finals are set. Mavs Warriors, Celtics Heat, your thoughts? Well, I already said Warriors Heat. Like that, I think that pretty sure that's what I said on the show, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Um, I didn't have faith in the Suns. I didn't think they would get killed like that, but I didn't have faith in them. I said Luca was the game changer. I said that like I think week one or two of this series, or whatever, game one or two of the series. I said that when Luca comes back, and even before that, when Luca first came back, I said Luca is the Luca's what's gonna change this. Cause it was uh who was it? Mav Jazz, I think is what it was. And Luca didn't play in that yeah. first one, and the Jazz got it. And then I'm like, if Luca comes back. It's it's a different game. Like he's a he plays at a different speed. He forces everybody to play at his speed. He's moving slow. It looks like, but he's playing at his. It's his game. Like he's stronger. He's bigger. He can shoot. He's in control. He's never out of control. Um, he's smart. You know, he makes the right passes and he shoots when he when he has it. And at halftime, he had more points than the Suns' entire team at the half. 
uh, I think it was like 57 to 27 at half and then like 72 or something to 35 or something like that at, at the end of the third. Like they just got absolutely murdered. I actually, you know, like I said, so I'm going back to that. I, I, I got Heat and I got Warriors. I think that would be, I mean, it's not a great series in my opinion. Um, I think Celtics uh, Warriors might be a little bit better, but I just think the Heat, you know, Jimmy Butler's not backing down. Uh, and he's going to, you know, he's going to use his teammates uh, where Giannis and a lot of these other teams learned early. One star, Kevin Durant figured it out. Giannis figured it out. One star is not going to stop the Celtics because they have a barrage of guys that are going to come at you and, and attack you. The the Heat are kind of built to, to weather that Celtic storm. It's not just Jimmy Butler. They have other guys getting it in and getting it done. Um, so that's why I say Heat Warriors and Warriors are just the Warriors. I thought they would beat the Suns. Like, I it's the Warriors, like the way they play, the way they move the ball, this new death lineup, even though um, they lost Gary Payton, the uh, second, who was a key part as far as just energy and getting some dunks and doing some things like that on defense. Uh, but Jordan Poole, I mean, he's 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 the story of the, of the fight. He's allowed them to play this death lineup. He's another guy in there where you're like, man, we got to worry about all these guys. And now Steph's kind of hitting his stride, too, where Steph's doing Steph stuff. Uh, Clay has been up and down in the last couple series, but Steph's getting it done. And so I, I think the Warriors are going to pull this out over the Mavs. I mean, unless Luka just goes lights out, the difference is this is a team who doesn't care if Luka gets 50. Like, they're going to still all, you know, three-way get 30 points apiece or 25, 25, and 24 from three guys. So they don't care what Luka does. Um, they're going to score just as, as much. And so, no, I, I I definitely think that's the way to go. I I was I think it was more important, and I want to bring up to Anthony Edwards, that he laughed on Instagram at the Suns because the Suns told them at one point, hey, you just you guys better hope you make the playoffs. And then he said, you know, we it did admit we lost, we're out, we're home, but you guys are getting absolutely embarrassed. 35 points, 37 points in the third quarter, that is embarrassing. And it is. And so Anthony Edwards, him and Pat Beverly, they're, they're being trolls this offseason. And hey, I love it. They're young. They're talking because now you got to take that same confidence and that same trash talking you had in the offseason into next season because people are going to remember. People don't forget this stuff. Now, Chris Paul, who knows if he comes back, but people don't forget. And that's where the Suns are going to see. If, if Chris Paul is done, they, it might be the end of an era. So we'll see. Speaking of Edwards, too, I saw a trailer for the new Adam Sandler movie on Netflix and Edwards is in it as himself. And I remember what <laughs> what Sandler did with Uncut Gems when he had Garnett in that movie, and he just yep. let Garnett be Garnett. So I'm, I'm I'm really excited to see that now, to see what Edward's acting chops are like. And, and based on his personality, it's got to be awesome. Just a quick tangent there, but everyone go see Hustle on Netflix. Hustle. Which was that about? Uh, it's Sandler is like a basketball coach or trainer, and he's got this prospect in europe that he he's trying to train up i think ah, and get to okay. like and he's yeah, training he, anthony edwards edwards is part of the movie okay and, and edwards he's is not, not the, the star, main okay. he's not the star no he's got like a so he's not lebron james michael jordan okay got it no got it. no no but no sandler is a a coach or a, i i haven't seen it so i don't know but i it's uh he's got a bunch of stars and it. it's going to be really good i think well kevin garnett has the ring so we'll see if anthony edwards can act better than Kevin Garnett, because then that's the only thing he can hold above him until he wins himself a ring. Well, I want to thank you guys for joining us today on the Ron Johnson Show. Please go back and watch the Steve Weiss interview. Please make sure you subscribe on YouTube to Locked On Sports Minnesota. Please search the Ron Johnson Show when you're on there. And also, download and take us wherever you get your podcasts. Have a great day.